From WHQR Public Media, this is the Newsroom. On today's show, we're talking affordable housing. On the last episode, New Hanover County Board Chair Julia Olson-Bozeman effectively announced the death of the proposed $50 million housing bond, and my conversations with her fellow board members showed she's got the backing of at least a majority of commissioners. The bond would have been a $50 million infusion over the course of five years, with a promised match from private investors to put a shot in the arm for the region's burgeoning housing crisis. The bond was the agreed-upon solution that came up after two housing studies and a string of public meetings in the spring of 2021, and public officials planned to create a roadmap of how that money would be spent. They did that and planned for gap financing, larger investments in low-income homeownership, and investments in naturally occurring affordable housing. While it wouldn't have solved the entirety of the affordable housing crisis, it would have made a major difference in a community that widens the gap of available affordable housing by more than a thousand units every year. But getting the bond on the ballot lies in the hands of the county commissioners, and the votes just don't seem to be there. That's the way it looks after a private poll by the Chamber of Commerce showed less than 50 percent of respondents supported the bond when it was explicitly framed as a tax increase. And then the commissioners got cold feet. It really felt like backroom dealing, at least from the outside. Members of the Volunteer Workforce Housing Advisory Committee felt blindsided by the abrupt change. I mean, in the summer, it seemed like every public official was on board with the bond. There was radio silence about it for four months, and then low-profile meetings about a non-public pull from the chamber in the fall undercut any support. When more public eyes were put on the change, it seemed like the bond was back, with three out of five ad hoc committee members voting in favor of it. Commissioner Rob Zappel voted against, which was a big surprise to... Well, just about everyone. It was. And just a disclosure note here, Rob Zappel is a member of the WHQR board, which has no hand in editorial decisions, and there's no fear of favor there. So Rob is part of our roundtable today, and he'll get into his reasons for the decision. But I will say he's been the most articulate about why he opposes the bond and what he thinks should come next. But he's on the same page as Julia and Deb Hayes when it comes to a tax increase. And for the record, both Deb and Rob opposed last year's tax hike, while Julia supported an increase in 2021, but now seems against it. So lots of changing political wins. Yes. But as you've said in the newsroom, we still don't have an actual vote on the bond. Commissioners need to officially decide one way or another in the next few months, since the county needs a six-month lead time before an election to put a bond on the ballot. They need to start by early May. And I think to the general public, it's still unclear what's happening. That's why we decided to pull together this panel to discuss the bond. What exactly happened to it when there was all that goodwill early last year? And what's next for affordable housing if the bond is truly dead? Let's get into it. All right, my guests now are Paul Stavovi. He's the executive director of the Cape Fear Community Land Trust. Paul, thanks for being with us. Yep, thanks for having me. Dave Spatrino, president and CEO of PBC Design and Build and former chair of the Workforce Housing Advisory Committee. Dave, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. And Commissioner Rob Zappel. Thanks for having us here. Thanks for being here. Sure. All right, so to start, I want to go around the table and ask you how each one of you got involved with this long-running conversation about affordable housing. Dave, we'll start with you. So uh, I really have very few skill sets, but I build houses for a living, and I really don't care what I'm building. I just like putting roofs over people's heads, always have. And uh, as part of my role as president of the Homeowners Association, when the original uh, study to determine whether or not we needed even a committee uh, for housing affordability came into play, I was the um, I was really seen as more of the private sector, which was amongst a really large room of public sector and nonprofit individuals. So the goal was, hey, let's get Dave in the room, 
because it'll at least tell us what things really are going to cost and, and try to provide some kind of context of not just the need, but how to execute on that need. Paul? I also have a similar skill set uh, as far as building houses go. Um, my family was builders when I was growing up, so I kind of I moved here in 2001 and built vacation homes, went out to Colorado, built vacation homes, went to New Orleans and was the construction manager for Habitat for Humanity after Katrina. So it was kind of a big switch from doing luxury stuff to nonprofit stuff. Uh, then I went to grad school for nonprofit management and urban policy, and I moved back here and got involved with the Housing Coalition, where I was the past chair. Um, was was um, hired by the Community Land Trust, and I've been involved. I'm also a local builder that does remodeling work. I have my company, Classic Craftsman. So those, all those things I do all involve housing. So everything from luxury kitchens and baths all the way to poverty housing. Sure. And can you just, for people who aren't familiar, say a little bit about what the Community Land Trust does? So the Community Land Trust was started in 2009. Um, I became the executive director in 2014. Um, and a community land trust, basically, we build, develop, and remodel affordable housing. Um, and when we sell a home, we keep the land in trust, which means we sell the improvements and not the property itself, not the ground, basically not the dirt. We keep the dirt um, tax-free. Um, we only sell the house, and then the people that buy the house are able to purchase for a much lower price. And that comes with some resale restrictions to where um, the next homeowner has to um, buy it for a certain price, so it locks in affordability with a ground lease that lasts in perpetuity. So it's a 99-year ground lease that renews over and over again. Right and Rob, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your history with this conversation. Well, um, certainly, I, we, my wife Michelle and I have lived here for 25 years, so we certainly uh, understand and watch the growth of Wilmington and New Hanover County. Uh, my day job is a builder as well, uh, design and build custom homes. Uh, and uh, then, of course, joining the uh, commission back in uh, 2014, uh, this, uh, the issue of affordable housing, workforce housing, uh, has been, from day one, has been a part of the conversation. Most recently, the uh, city and the county uh, created a joint committee of all the city council members, all the county commissioners, uh, to sit down and meet and to tackle uh, this problem once again, uh, and it's come up m- multiple times, and we're making a run at it, and I think we're making headway, and would like to see something really productive co- come out of these conversations. As a part of that committee, uh, they set up a subcommittee, of which uh, I was appointed to. There are uh, two county commissioners and, and three city council people, and we've had a series of meetings uh, and have met and talked with all of the advisory committees and uh, people from the public, our staffs, both city and county, to try and take research, uh, information, do the research, and come up with a series of recommendations that we have now sent back to the entire joint committee. So we, I just want to track this for people a little bit because there have been quite a few committees. Yes. Uh, so if, if you're losing yourself about which committee we're talking about, David's shaking his head in sympathy um, with you. I'm on my third housing affordability committee. Yeah. I'd like to actually do something. So uh, we'll, we'll I'm, get to that. I'm, we'll done, get to, I'm done talking. I promise you we will get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2016, uh, the city and the county set up an ad hoc committee. About three years later, if I remember correctly, it set up the full-time committee. Correct. That right, was 2019. Your, 2019, yeah. yeah. So Dave... Tell us, you've been with us a long time. When did you first start hearing about the bond idea? Well, I think with any war that you're trying to tackle, it's a number of fronts. So, you know, in the, in the fantasy world, it's just like, well, if we just had more money, we could solve all these problems. But we just don't have more money, so that's not the only option. To the credit of the city and county, and I'm not often one to lay a lot of praise on our planners, developers, and administrators and bureaucrats, but to their credit, both the county and the city, let me start off by saying 
the discussions we had in 15, 16, 17, and 18, and the things that could be handled via code, you know, it took a while, but they came about, and we're already seeing the fruits of those, uh, those issues. Are they perfect? Probably not. Will they make a difference? Absolutely. But they're only going to really solve those challenges that can be resolved by the private development. And, and Are you that, talking, just don't to interrupt you, but you're, you're talking about making it easier to build, you know. Housing affordability, building in housing affordability. Yeah. Really, and, and let's just kind of put a, put a person in front of this. Anyone in our community who makes less than $20 an hour is having a hard time with housing. So we've been tracking this issue at HQR for a while. Uh, we've noted that I think every other major city um, in North Carolina has passed some version of a housing bond. Uh, Raleigh, I think, is on its fourth um, and they've done some that, you know, crossed over with uh, public transportation as well. Uh, but they all, you know, sort of took that money and did different variations on it. Um, what are some of the things you think could be done with that kind of money? And, Paul, I'll go to you here. The reason we're asking for such a big bond is that it has to do all of the things. So there's not one solution. It's not we're going to put a bunch of apartments in one part of town and that's going to solve the problem. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about stuff like gap financing, which is basically making big projects like the Starway project that the county just put money into and the city put money into. Those kind of projects will come if we have money for them. Um, down payment assistance, home ownership programs, um, funding nonprofits that do this kind of work. We're talking about infrastructure improvements for vacant land that can help developers build affordable housing public-private partnerships. There's gap financing for smaller nonprofits, like organizations like mine. A gap financing amount of twenty dollars or $30,000 could be the amount that we could borrow for a couple months, and that's the difference between us doing a house or not. You know, it's little injections. So a lot of the stuff that we put together for the Workforce Housing Advisory Committee involves revolving funds. Not all of it. There's stuff that is just grant funding for some of the permanent supportive housing and some of the stuff that just does not come back. But for the, for the bigger projects, and most of it's the revolving fund. It's, it's things like gap financing and, and stuff to make these projects happen. And it's also things, it's either front end or back end. So it's either not subsidizing developers, but helping developers make it make the projects happen. Or it's on the back end with rent assistance or down payment assistance or things like that. So there's, these are the two, it's either one of those two things, or we just don't have so, service sector employees live here. Like, it, it, it's, there's three, you know, help on the front, help on the back, or realize what the new normal is. If you're just joining us, you're listening to The Newsroom, where we're discussing the end of the affordable housing bond with developer Dave Spetrino, Cape Fear Community Land Trust Executive Director Paul Stavovi, and County Commissioner Rob Zappel. So this is what I want to get to now. After last summer, you know, people felt like it had been five years, it had been a long march, but progress was being made. The city and the county, after a couple of years, were finally all sitting down together, um, a series of, of public meetings. We hashed out a lot of issues, but housing and transportation were two of the big ones. In the newsroom, we were calling it the error of good feelings because everyone felt like they were on the same page. And so I want to play a clip here. Uh, this was from the May meeting, I believe, of the, the city and county. This May 26th meeting. And uh, at the time, the outlook for a housing bond looked pretty good. <laughs> they were. we're in the right place to say to uh, go back to our respective boards and recommend that they fully support this bond. Yes. For this. Let me ask yes. you. Quick question. Is there anybody here in the audience after this discussion that opposes uh, a general obligation bond? Speaking to the choir. I was there. Uh, that was a, a great day. Well. It, it felt wonderful. That's Kevin O'Grady speaking first. That's yes. Rob clarifying. And uh, I remember my wife saying, 
as the buildup of these presentations because it was, I mean, I have a day job and that was a, it was as hard as I've ever worked as a volunteer for our community. And not that I want any accolades for that. I just want to solve a problem. And I remember coming out of that meeting, I could tell you where I was standing and I felt like, you know what? It was worth the time. It was worth the effort. It was a very emotional day for me because I felt like we were starting to make some meaningful progress for our neighbors. I, I feel the same way. I remember exactly where I was sitting in that room. We've been, you know, as um, Charlie Rademacher has said, we've kicked this can down the road long enough that there's no can left. I, I love that saying because we've been talking about this housing problem for so it, long. It was, it was a great, it was a, it was fantastic. Yeah. I was sitting next to Patrick Bryan and both of us looked at each other and we're like, this, I mean, this is actually going to happen. But then I also looked at Patrick and said, they didn't vote on anything. All right, so I want to get to the elephant in the room here uh, and, and sort of break this down and get some nuance around it um, because it seems over the last couple of weeks, and this is starting with a conversation I had with uh, board chair and your colleague, Julia Olson-Bozeman, a couple weeks ago, where she basically said, uh, no housing bond. We will not be doing that. Um, and in the same breath said, you know, before I could even ask the follow-up, she said, you know, but we will be doing this. We will be moving forward. We want some help from the Community Foundation, which is a whole other, other story. We'll put a pin in that. Uh, but also that she felt that she had the votes on the commission, four votes are needed, to tap into that $350 million in, uh, in revenue funding. So, Rob, I want to give you a chance here to talk about sort of how that shift seems to have happened. Well, I remember distinctly the May meeting that you're referring to, Dave, and I remember your uh, presentation, which was very effective, that you gave at the top of it. I remember also you're being a little modest because if I remember hearing that you were a last minute fill in uh, there that uh, that you stepped up and did a beautiful job of kind of laying it out. Um, and it, indeed, that you know, the, the concept of a bond is something that I've always been supportive of. It's been the continuing conversation. Uh, and Paul, I know you've been a part of that as well. Uh, of trying to figure out what exactly would that mean. If we put a, a bucket of money down on the table here, how would it, uh, well, who would handle that money? Where's the staffing to make it happen? And yes, we've seen a, a lot of different uh, programs that have been laid out there. Most of them are in theory. Some of them have been in practice, but uh, very few of them have been actually done you know, here in New Hanover County or the city. So. It started to bring questions up. I know certainly in my mind, uh, the commissioners' minds, and in other city council uh, members' mind. As so we talked it around, do we have the capacity? If we were to all of a sudden just drop $50 million down here, what would we do with it? Uh, would we turn around in uh, you know, two years, three years, and burn through $50 million and say, what, what do we have for it? What are the metrics behind it? It says, you know, how many uh, new uh, affordable housing units were there? And we started hearing uh, a variety of different opinions were all out there. In other words, great idea, a lot of, you know, work going around it, but I didn't see any, uh, anything really specific or um, that I could, you know, that we could pick up and feel and practical examples. So that led us to start asking our, our own staff, what, what, are, what options do we have here? And they started coming forward with many of the same programs that were brought forward by the advisory. But you know, asked, you know, how real are these? Who's going to build uh, these uh, the new units when they come forward? How, do we have the uh, capacity, staff-wise, at the county and or the city to actually manage this money? And the answer was no, we do not at this point. So uh, I asked our county manager and our CFO, uh, you know, to... Uh, can we take a look at another way to go at this program that will allow us some time 
to actually try out some of these programs, many of these programs, and see what works and what doesn't work here in New Hanover County uh, and pull back from. Also, I, I got to say that I, uh, a $50 million bond that goes on the backs of the property tax owners uh, here in, in New Hanover County uh, is something that I, 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 do, I cannot support at this point. The property tax owners are just coming off of, uh, frankly, the, you know, the largest tax increase in, in generations uh, just in this past budget season, of which I did not vote for. But it's, it's substantial. Uh, and to come back again when we have as much money as we have, you know, in our county through uh, ARPA money or uh, you know, COVID money or CARES Act money, et cetera, uh, it, it doesn't strike me as a, as a good deal for the taxpayers of New Hanover County to simply go back and say, oh, by the way, we want to tax you some more, you know, for this project that I couldn't sit down and defend with, you know, specifics as to what exactly you're going to get for that money. Now, I know the theories are out there, and I know the, the, the different programs have been laid out. But in my mind, in looking forward, I didn't see that they needed to have more time or actually to be stood up in a, on a smaller scale to see what does work and what doesn't. I would hate for us to, you know, as I know one of the ideas was brought forward uh, by pa Patrick at, at the, the last subcommittee Patrick Bryan, he's the yeah, CEO yeah. of uh, Paper Collective. said he would take uh, $30 million of that $50 million and put it into new housing units. Uh, and when I asked, you know, uh, as part of the meeting, who, who's going to build it? He said, well, uh, the private sector will and uh, that will provide a subsidy. And at that point, he was talking about a, a $10,000 subsidy per unit. And I said, okay, have, have you tried this out within the building community? And no. And I said, well, if that turns out to be not the right number, what is the right number? Well, we'll have to uh, adjust that when we get into real market and you know, when, it, when it's being stood up. I said, so that number could be 20000 or 30000 or even $40,000. Uh, yeah, it could be. So all of a sudden, you've got $30 million of the $50 million, uh, you know, committed to this. And, you know, with a, uh, the supposition that it'll, it'll produce uh, over 2,000 uh, new units for affordable housing, which I think would be terrific. We know the numbers out there of what we need. But uh, what I'm hearing is there's a lot of... Uh, fungibility in the amount of money that would go into it is actually how many units they would bring forward. That's just one example uh, of that. And you know, going down with the different programs, I just didn't see you know, that they were that had been tried here in New Hanover County to, to make that happen. So I've got to tell you, this is painful to listen to. <clears throat> this is as painful as anything I've had to listen to. I am physically getting uncomfortable listening to this because the entire process to get to the point where we finally got enough data and information to speak intelligently and thoroughly, it didn't like we just showed up. I mean, it had been going on for years. And, and I'm thinking about mm -hmm. the time when the city and the county invested $100,000 to put forth to say, listen, hire the best experts, get information. And, and I think the, the line I remember hearing and the whispers was, listen, we don't want to improvise. We want to plagiarize. And so what are other communities doing that are having this problem? Mm. And so the gentleman from Greensboro and the gentleman from Ohio, both have been in this and came into town. They did their presentations. They did their studies. And they were solid studies. I mean, if the county doesn't sure what a good study looks like, they should just look at those. They were fantastic. Mm -hmm. So to think that 
oh gosh, we, we figured out how to bring this bond and we know we can use this bond, but but we don't know how to how to deploy those dollars. We don't know what to do. You know, I don't either. I know that there's lots of things, lots of small things. There's also a lot of existing programs that are working well, but the money comes in on July 1 and the money's gone by July 15th. You know, those programs have been working for decades. Dave, let me also you know, add into this that, you know, over the last two and a half years, the the county alone, not the city, has put in over $35 million uh, to address this problem of affordable housing in a series of programs, how's that, go, how's that going? Hopefully stemming this, uh, the tide somewhat. But I'm just saying we don't get credit for it, and that doesn't seem to come up in the conversation uh, at all. Then uh, why, why, was, why was our group tasked with coming to the community, mm-hmm. the community, not just the commissioners or the council members, to the community? We were tasked with coming up with viable solutions. And I'm not suggesting that the county is putting their head in the sand. What I'm suggesting, though, is we came with solutions. It's not like I'm a hack. It's not like I'm just I'm, I'm winging it over here. It's not like anyone else is either. But to take that information and then go, you know, it's an election year. I don't know if I want to be the guy who raises the taxes. What we got out of the studies was that, well, first of all, the city and the county have both funded a lot of affordable housing projects. We are thankful for all of that. And no one is discounting any of that. But at current numbers, at current funding, we're falling behind over 1,000 units every single year of affordable housing in town. That's what the studies told us. I'm in this arena all the time, and the numbers were scary to me, you know, and I know how bad it is. So to say that we can just keep putting the same amount of money and we're going to get ahead of it, we're going to go 1,075 units down every single year for the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we have an influx of population coming at the same time. Okay, let's take a pause right here for a quick break. You're listening to The Newsroom. I'm Ben Schachner. And I'm Kelly Knoyer. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Newsroom. I'm Ben Schachman. Let's get back to our panel discussion with County Commissioner Rob Zappel and two affordable housing advocates, Paul Stavovi and Dave Spatrino. So let me ask this question. Is this about whether or not we can stand up, as you put it, Rob, real programs that you can put your hands on? Or is this about taxes? Because if it's not about taxes, if it's just about avoiding a tax hike and the county is sitting on $350 million, can that money be deployed in the ways you guys have researched, um, Dave and, and Paul, is that a workable fix or is there still a problem here? So there's still a major positive to the bond that I think um, doesn't play out if we don't follow the bond route. So right now, a lot of the housing stuff is being done behind the scenes by nonprofits or by investments in projects. No one knows when a LIHTC investment is made. It, it's just the, the general population has no idea that that's even happened. That's the low-income tax credit Low-income tax credit. Credit. Yeah, Starway are, Project. Yep, yeah. Starway Project. There's some other affordable apartments that have used the same kind of um, mm-hmm. proceeds. But that happens between behind the scenes. The major positive of the bond and why so many cities have used it is that it's a community campaign and it brings the issue to the surface. It lets people understand why we're doing this. It lets people invest in their community. It lets people come out to the polls and vote for something with their heart instead of just voting no on taxes. It lets us educate the public on an issue that is serious. So that's the point that using money from other places will solve some of the problem, but it won't bring us together as a community and make us better. And I think that's what we're missing if we don't. Paul, let me ask just a quick question. What happens if it fails? If it fails to pass, there's two things. We either did a really poor education campaign or we're just selfish. 
it's that simple. Like, we're either going to vote for our community or we're not. So we said we were going to start doing this in, in September of the year before the bond so we could get this information out to the public about what the bond actually is. So now we're running out of time to do that education campaign. That's where the problem is, is that we, we just don't have the, the time to do it. But if we fail, it's our own fault for not for not sharing the right information. And, you know, uh, if, if other communities were failing, like if this was something where, I mean, if my friends in Asheville and my friends in Charlotte and my friends in Durham and all these people who have taken their time to come to our city and go, listen, what you're doing is important. I know this is hard. I know you guys are, are up to your head and doc documents and data, but this is good. But if this was something that across the nation these were failing, I think I, too, would be on Rob's side and go, you know, we got to find a different way to do this. Now, if we want to take our inheritance from the hospital sale and sit on the sidelines and let that inheritance go ahead and solve these problems, I mean, I don't get to make that decision. I don't have to be an elected official and make that decision. But I remember when I called two people who I trust, I don't agree with them politically, but I trust them, and I said, is this, I don't know if I, how I feel about the hospital sale. I don't know if I should like the sale of the hospital or not. But if the hospital sale is going to start paying for things like beach renourishment and port deepening and bridges, I ain't in. I want my community to take those hospital sale money and make us the best school system in the world or the most walkable city or the city with the most trees or backstop existing programs that help. But I don't know that I wanted the hospital sale money to start solving problems that should be investments upon the community. I don't see the bond as a gift or a giveaway or even a taxation. I see it as an investment and making sure that the people who are going to always have those service jobs also have housing in the communities they serve. One of the things that was, uh, sorry to cut you off, Rob, but one of the things that was suggested in one of these meetings was that if the bond went out and failed, it could essentially poison the well for public interest in the issue, whether that was at the community foundation, the general public, other local government bodies. Dave, do you think that's a legitimate concern? Every risk is a concern. I mean, every, every leader is getting shot at. I get it. I build homes for a living. And the only homes I get to build are either the ones that are on the very, very high end because they are immune to the market conditions, or I look at the very, very low end and I'm doing my best that I can, but the best I can, I'm barely delivering 25 to 30 homes a year that are meeting the 80% to 120% AMI. And I got news for you, ain't nobody, even the most benevolent in our community are gonna be able to go lower than 80% AMI. That's somebody who's making about 40 grand a year without some type of support, whether it be a bond, whether it be subsidized, whether it be some other intervention. I want to, I want to play a clip, uh, another clip from that May meeting. This is you, Dave, talking about how this sort of development community felt about local government. They're not willing to introduce themselves or step up and, and, and put forth the effort on their own end until they know for sure that you're really, you guys are serious. So your concern there was, why waste my time, right? If, if I don't think they're serious. Do you think that, speaking on behalf of people who build homes for a living, if the county is willing to put in $40 million from a bond or $40 million or $50 million from the hospital sale, does it matter? Are both of those equally a sign okay. of seriousness? I'm not suggesting, that, I mean, I don't know that I really care that deeply. I mean, I don't have a hard opinion on it, but the task was in 2016, the city and the county are never gonna have any money to cover this, so you're gonna have to get a bond. Okay, but I don't know if a bond's going to work. Well, you need to figure out if a bond's going to work. So I spend the next, I don't know, five years proving that a bond can work, and then everyone is high-fiving and backslapping and breaking their arms to, to hug each other. And then after somebody goes, yeah, I don't know, it might be hard to get the bond to work. Oh, hey, look, we just got 350 from a sale, $350 million. Let's, let's forget about the bond idea. 
Fine, as long as the problem gets solved, that's fine. My, my comment, that clip, yeah, guess what? The builder community, if there is a way to be profitable, we will figure out how to solve that problem. But guess what? It, it is getting harder and harder. And, and we're all builders here. It is getting harder and harder to even get the people in the middle, let alone the people at the bottom. Paul, you brought up City Councilman Charlie Rivenbark's quote about kicking the can down the road so long that there's no can left. We've heard various forecasts of basically a, an affordable housing cliff that we will be going over. Do you have, I mean, can we put that in real, like, calendar terms? Like, how much longer do we have before this is intractable, before it's, I don't want to be dire, but, like, too late? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be doom and gloom about it either, but um, I will say that in the last, in the last 10 years, we've had, we've made a lot of headway with the concept of affordable housing. 10 years ago, we didn't say the word affordable housing. You know, we would have our housing coalition things, and we would say housing affordability. or work. That's why everyone says workforce housing, because they don't want to say affordable housing, because they don't want to think about project housing, which is what they're picturing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about affordable housing for our neighbors. So now that we're all on board and we all decide it's a problem, we realize that we're behind the eight ball as far as fixing it, because we've been talking about it for 10 years. You know, And if we had been doing it every year for the past 10 years, you know, we, we put in a little bit of money, we build you know, all of us nonprofits in town together and a few benevolent builders can maybe do 50, 80 houses a year. I don't know. Between all of us, we're getting a thousand behind every single year. So let's see, five years will be 5,000 down. 10 years will be 10,000 down. And that's with the current funding, which is still pretty substantial. You know, we need an injection that's going to really make a difference now before we have 30,000 more people moving in in the next 10 years. Rob, I want to give you a chance to wait. <laughs> I can see you thinking. Uh, yeah. Um, so, look, I've, I've spoken with you. I've spoken with, with Chairwoman Julia Osenbosman. I've spoken with uh, Deb Hayes. It seems like, at least this week, the votes for a bond aren't there. Mm-hmm. What takes its place? Well, uh, ben, let me go back and f- frame the issue well, that uh, if a bond happens, it, it's on the county commission. It's not the city council uh, that, you know, even they, they can be as supportive as they possibly want, but it's it's the county that has to own that. Uh, and pay it back. Be, yeah, and pay it back, or the property tax owners are the ones that have to pay it back. Uh, Dave, I don't think there's any argument uh, about the size of the problem, and Paul, I think you really eluquently kind of laid it out. And I think that my certainly myself and all the commissioners recognize there's a problem certainly with our our growth and it continues to get and we and you're right we continue to get behind which is why i i support and where my thinking is and starting with the point that uh, even though we have a lot of good ideas that are out there uh, i think we start smaller and scale up uh, and to that i know that uh, the county is uh, willing to uh, they've put together a plan. I've talked with our county manager and our CFO uh, that will uh, raise in the next 18, month, 18 months $2.8 million to dedicate to this. Also give us the time to scale up uh, with a department of at least three people, dedicated staff at the county level, and over the next five years uh, dedicate $15 million to that. Uh, if we then get our good friends in the building community uh, and the corporate world uh, to uh, partner in with this, and uh, along the way, any private endowment that I think that money could uh, could actually grow, and that's just county money we're talking about. Uh, if the city comes in uh, with a portion there, I think we could quickly get to more than the fifty million dollar 
there without going back to the taxpayers and also along the way uh, giving that two or three year period to take some of these programs and see how many units that we can do for you know a million a million and a half how many new units we can put out there which one of these plans will work so that then with that data in hand and uh, I'm totally supportive of a bond when we have something clear in our hand that we can say that works here in New Hanover County. The idea that I'm talking here is we start immediately. We don't wait nine months, you know, to, to the uh, when the bond would come on, and then there'll be another six months or so before we could, you know, sell that. That we start today. Uh, that we can dedicate that money, and the county's ready to dedicate that money over the next 18 months, and start immediately hiring and putting together uh, the talent we need, both on the county side and the city side. Uh, to make that happen so we can work in real time and with real solutions that we can uh, have the data here locally to support. Rob, I appreciate your idea and also I'm glad to hear that the county is going to commit more money to this problem. Yeah. Um, but I think we're missing the fact that we do have data from the last 15 years mm-hmm. of these pilot programs already working. You know, I have in front of me right now mm-hmm. the exact amount of spending that the city did. I don't have all the county's numbers. I know mm-hmm. the county has them somewhere else, but Suzanne Rogers just did a presentation last week, so I have some pretty current city yeah. numbers. At $2.5 million of investment every year, average, over the last seven years, from that, they've created 19 new family, single families, 233 multi-units, 251 home buyers had down payment assistance, there was 62 owner-occupied rehabs and 52 permanent supportive housings. So that's seven years. We have some numbers. There's a pilot program right there. Yeah. So if we wanted to just up that, we Paul, can double let me those address, numbers. We can yeah. multiply those numbers. And we have the programs on the ground. We have, we have the land trust. We have collective ventures. We have Habitat. We have all these other programs that we can scale up now. Which They're all we, ready to scale. Which the county already supports. And I, maybe I... I I stopped too quick here. Is it? It's in that $35.4 million that we have invested over the last two and a half years. That investment will continue on the budget cycle. We're talking about targeted money for programs that we do not currently have now here in New Hanover County to stand them up. A lot of them brought forward by the advisory committee and from the public and from our own staff. So what you're just saying here, we would continue uh, to support and invest in. Certainly, I, with I understand that, and I, I appreciate that, I, and I do. We all appreciate the funding that we get from the city and the county. Hmm. And I'm just saying that those numbers that we have now, our county year-end reporting forms, mm-hmm. from the amount of money that we get, is the pilot project that you're talking about. So, I, so injecting just a specific amount, we can just pull that data without wasting two more years. On figuring out the problem. Let yeah. me ask you, you know, real quick, have... Dave. I'll give you a second, but okay. <laughs> uh, I just want to ask because we're talking about pilot programs a lot, and this is mm-hmm. one of the complaints we hear is that we don't want you know people say they don't want to you, see you, you, don't need a, you don't need a pilot program. From Rob, from your point, from the county, you said start today, ramp things up. What is what does that look like on a calendar? I think that uh, you know we're talking again about the staffing. So we have some somebody to uh, collect the data, uh, to uh, stand up these uh, different programs, and also to audit it, to make sure to see that the money is being spent uh, properly. We don't have that, those people you know, on the ground right now. We don't have the dedicated staff, nor does the city have that. So there's a certain amount of you know infrastructure, we'll call it, that, that has to happen, and that that's part of what that looks like. The second is to go back and to start to, to pull out the most successful from the data that we have 
and start putting money into them here locally on a smaller scale and ramp them up. When you, when you say ramp up, I think people will really want to know and they will be mad at me if I don't ask. Point taken that you need people to do, you know, to run this thing. How long would that take till we're, you know, up and running and at a point where we could start scaling it up? I would think in the, certainly the one to three year uh, time frame. I'm looking for some, you know, hard data, again, that works here in, uh, in New Hanover County. And I think that's where uh, I know we would feel comfortable to make those investments from the county site and, and to ramp it up as, as quickly as you can. A time frame, will it happen in, uh, in a week? I don't think so. But I think you would see progress within six months, a year, and certainly by three years. And putting together, as I said, over a five-year period, a commitment of $15 million with that in hand. And even prior to that, if we get some uh, cooperation and some partnering with our corporate members, as well as you know, private endowments and the building community, who has, uh, weirdly enough, been left out of this conversation uh, we are not hearing it. Dave, you're you know, very vocal about I, I, it. I would, I would just, I mean, I read all my newsletters. Mm-hmm. The conversations used to be on, you know, why is it taking so long to get approvals? Why is stormwater such a pain? Yeah. Our conversations are all rotating around. We're going to help solve the affordable. I mean, your community and your developer builder community is going to help solve this problem. The problem, though, is they're not going to be able to help the people below 80% AMI. They can't get there because at that point you are now talking about somebody who isn't earning enough to live in this community. Well, Dave, I love that because that's the crux of at least one of these problems here. Then what is the magic number? Paul, you mentioned before, you said the word subsidy. I know you didn't mean that, but incentive to the, the building community. What does it take? To get a single-family home, what is the incentive amount that works? That number is not clear uh, to us, along with uh, a lot of the other information. That's what I'm looking for so that we can fully support. All right, well, we need to take another quick break, and then we'll get to the last part of our conversation with County Commissioner Rob Zappel and housing advocates Paul Stavovi and Dave Spatrino. You're listening to The Newsroom. Stay with us. Welcome back to the newsroom. I'm Kelly Knoyer. And I'm Ben Schockman. We're holding a panel discussion on the fate of the housing bond. My guests are affordable housing advocates Paul Stavovi and Dave Spatrino, along with County Commissioner Rob Zappel. Okay, I think this is the last question from me. I recently spoke to City Councilman Kevin Spears, and to be clear here, the city does not have a say in whether or not a housing bond goes on the ballot. They wouldn't be politically responsible for it or have to pay it back. But Councilman Spears asked, why not just put the housing bond on the ballot and see if the people support it? And if they do, go from there. And if it fails, figure out what to do next. Is there, I that's, know this is a complicated question, what's the short that's answer? That's a little irresponsible. I mean, I'm not suggesting that that's not a, an option. It's, it's absolutely an option. And failure is also an option. But I think the reality is, when I have a conversation with people and explain to them why this is important, I got them. Because they go, you know, my son-in-law and daughter would love to move here, but, you know, they just can't, you know, leave. And I would do anything for them to be here. And I said, well, would you, you know, would you be okay with this? Or would you be okay with this? And it's easier for them to embrace because I can put an image on that. You know, Ronald Reagan said the term welfare queen over 40 years ago. And that is still a dilemma I have when I have, if I don't say, I mean, to Paul's point, if I don't say housing affordability instead of affordable housing, I can see the look in people's eyes going, well, I don't want a project in my backyard. So we still have some work to do as a community, but for the most part, 
the Greensboro study was very specific. If a bond is the way to solve this problem, then the way to do it is these steps. And to the county's point, it's a lot of work. It's heavy lifting. I mean, Rob's going to get shot at, and Rob doesn't like getting shot. He's already getting shot at enough, enough stuff. He doesn't want to add more things to get shot at. But I understand where Kevin Spears is coming from, but it would be a little reckless to just show up without at least giving somebody an understanding. To Rob's point, is this a handout or is it an investment? Because guess what? I ain't voting for a handout. And I'm, a, I'm in, but I ain't voting for a handout. But will I vote for some of this money to be a revolving investment in my community? Well, some of the richest guys I know are in real estate. So obviously it can't be that bad of an idea to invest in real estate. We are past out of time. So Rob, I'm going to give you a chance for final thoughts. And then we are going to have to wrap this up. What I would like to see out of this, again, is a ramping up process that allow us to have, uh, again, actual data in hand to see what works and what doesn't. My fear is, you know, with the bond, not only uh, could we uh, wait nine months and then have it fail, and as you pointed out, Ben, uh, kind of poison the well, as it were, for uh, many years to go beyond that, and we won't get to what any of the things that we're talking about doing it. I want to be able to solve this problem, but I don't think we can do it alone. And one way to get more community buy-in to at all levels, you know, not just the the taxpayers, is to uh, start these programs small, continue with the funding uh, from the county so that we get buy-in from the corporate, the building community, and endowment community uh, that will then become a community solution to a community problem. We can't just throw money at this project and think that it's uh, going to solve it. We can't. I want to know what's going to work here. How many units can we build for uh, X amount? What is that incentive uh, number for uh, for builders or developers in going in there? Can we afford it so that if we put, as I was suggesting, you know, 2.8 million, 15 million, or maybe $50 million into it, what are we going to end in five years or seven years? How many new units will we actually have on the ground? How many will we produce? And I don't think we have that data as of yet. I just want to have some concrete information before moving forward. It could be a ramp up to uh, a bond in the, in the future once we have it. I think I've said even in this conversation. It's not that I don't support a bond. I don't believe that we have the information you know, currently in hand that I can go out to the taxpayer and say, we are going to make 2,200 or 3,000 or 5,000 new units for $50 million or $100 million. I mean, just the bond amount itself is, um, uh, I'd say, somewhat arbitrary. Uh, you know, we came up with $50 million because somebody said, gee, $25 million isn't enough, and $100 million is too big of a leap, so let's go to $50 million. So I will say, we, we came at that number because we knew that we needed at least $100 million, and mm -hmm. we know that this $50 million could be this the catalyst for the other $50 million from private sector investors, from all the other sources. You know, we knew it was more. We, we came up with numbers. 50 was what we set mm -hmm. it on because we know there's money coming from other place. And I still, I want to reiterate one last time, I mm -hmm. think we're missing out on something if we don't let the public decide if this is a big enough issue that they're willing to walk to the vote, walk to the polls and vote on this. I think they are ready for it, and I think they're willing to vote for it. And I really think that we should give the public an opportunity to vote. Mm -hmm. And then we'll know if the whole community is behind this. And if they are, then we'll make it happen. The county commissioners can make it happen. The staff at the city and the county can make it happen. The building community can make it happen, and we can we can do it as long as we decide to. So let me ask. What you, are your What are your options if you? I mean, again, you you have so few options. Mm -hmm. If you start to address this problem, you you end up being a cautionary tale. 
Well, absolutely no, this conversation's not over. I also know that it takes the county about six months to get something, to get a bond on the ballot. So that would be mm -hmm. sort of end of April. Mm -hmm. uh, May 1st would kind of be the deadline. So maybe there's a chance for another conversation between then and now. Sure. And, and the next possible availability for a bond is 2024. Just yeah. so everybody knows it's a two-year cycle. Yes, for correct. Bond right. Correct. Dave, you're shaking your head now. Well, I just think that um, I don't know that we're going to see a bond in 2022. I just, again, there's nothing in the body language from anybody I've run into. I think they're all looking at it going, hey, a bond is a hard sell. This is a, a tough ask. I understand Rob's position 100%. I don't even disagree with it. But I will say the one item I'll push back on it, there's a bunch of pilot programs that need help already. And they are good programs and they are staffed. And they are serving, but they are not funded. Dave, we've got that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And starting on it now rather than waiting another year, year and a half. That's the commitment the county is ready to make. $2.8 million over the next 18 months. Now, I, I know it's not huge, but that will grow uh, incrementally over a five-year period, $15 million commitment over five years. I got to say, I see quite a bit of daylight between $100 million and, and $15 million. I, and I don't think we're going to resolve that at this table today. Mm -hmm. um, so we got to end it here. I really appreciate all your time. Dave Spetrino, thank you so much thank for you. your time. Paul Stavovi, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Commissioner Rob Zappel. Thank you, Ben. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, for Kelly. Time. Wow, that got quite tense at times. It really did. But after years of discussion on affordable housing, it's understandable that advocates are frustrated. Yeah. When I scheduled this conversation, Dave Spatrino told me he felt justified in never speaking to public officials about this again. And I was unfortunately the one who informed Paul Stavovi about the end of the bond. So the wound was still quite fresh for him. Yeah. OK, so there are a few things we weren't able to get to in this already very long conversation. So I want to provide a little context. Right. Let's start with exactly what we know about the political will for affordable housing in the region. Earlier this hour, you heard discussions of the major housing studies completed in the spring by UNC Greensboro and the Bowen Institute. And we'll have links to those on the show page, by the way, so you can check them out for yourself. But the UNC Greensboro study focused on public opinions on housing and found that 77.8% of respondents supported a housing bond and another 70.1% supported using the hospital sale money to fund affordable housing. At the same time, respondents clearly didn't want a tax increase. About 51.5% said they would not support affordable housing policies if they raised their property taxes. It's a bit counterintuitive, but my hypothesis is that humans categorize bonds and taxes differently in their minds. Maybe because bonds are meant to be short-run increases. Who knows? But that does help explain why the chamber's poll may have had different results. We don't know how they phrased the question since the actual chamber polling reports have been kept completely under wraps, but we're pretty sure the questions focused more on taxes and less on the positive effects of a bond. We definitely shouldn't skim past the hospital sale note either. The hospital is gone and sold, and the county has $350 million left over from that sale that didn't go to the community endowment. Right now, it's in an emergency fund that takes four votes to open up, but the county could have those votes if Rob's apple got on board. That's true, and that's one way they could immediately cover the $10 million each year that was originally proposed to come from a housing bond. Instead, we're looking at $15 million over five years. That's definitely an investment, but it's not even a third of what the bond would have brought. And every advocate I've spoken to on this said that $50 million wasn't even enough. It was supposed to be a preliminary bond to get the ball rolling. Yeah, we heard Paul Stavovi say that during the show. Um, and as we've mentioned, Raleigh has passed four of these things, at least one of which was actually paired with a public transportation fund. 
Didn't County Chair Julia Olson Bozeman suggest that the community could find affordable housing money through the hospital sale endowment? She did say that. And it's something Margaret Haynes mentioned in one of the ad hoc meetings as well. In fact, lots of local officials have pointed to the New Hanover Community Endowment as a solution to like a host of problems. So we wanted to bring in the folks from the endowment for this roundtable. But in all fairness, they just couldn't get involved this early uh, in large part because they haven't even finished some of the, the groundwork they need to set up the endowment. But to be honest, I do understand several members of the board have kind of bristled at the idea that these public officials would make their decisions for them. For my conversations... Look, the endowment knows affordable housing is a crisis, and they do want to address it, but I don't think they're thrilled when other people speak for them. The endowment hasn't started producing any cash yet and hasn't developed its grant writing criteria. It seems a bit early to be cashing checks the county can't write. Yeah, and I have to reiterate, the county could have kept this hospital funding under its purview back when it sold the hospital, but it chose to give the money away to a non-public entity over which the government has no control. Look, there's pros and cons to that decision, but it does mean that the very independent endowment will make its own decisions. It seems like we have a wide swath of different plans from public officials, but they aren't yet in agreement. And they can't turn to advocates for help anymore because many of them have told me they're burned and won't waste their time any longer if the city and county aren't serious about addressing this crisis. We'll just have to see what they come up with. I'd still like to see a public vote since they promised one at the last ad hoc meeting. Unless the chair telling you the bond is dead on the newsroom counts. <laughs> I don't think that's actually how local government is supposed to work. It will be nice to have a public record of how they voted on this, though, and their explanations for why. Ah, uh, local government. Well, that's it for this episode of The Newsroom. I'd like to thank our guests Paul Stavovi, Dave Spetrino, and Rob Zappel for their time. Thanks also to our technical team, Ken Campbell and Jonathan Furnell. If you missed any part of this program on Friday, you can catch a rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m., or you can find it at whqr.org. You can also now find it as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. If you have thoughts or comments about today's program or ideas for a future show, email us at newsroom at whqr.org. I'm Ben Schockman. And I'm Kelly Knoyer. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next edition of The Newsroom. Newsroom.